0: Just a guy in his journey back to God. <clears throat> Today we're going to be in Isaiah 22. There's about 25 verses in it. It's not too long. It's uh, fairly pretty interesting because it's a prophecy about Jerusalem, not necessarily against Jerusalem. So most of the players that we read about are part of the uh, Jewish community, the le- the leadership and the nobility. But then we act. But there's actually then someone who is an administrator who gets put in charge of things. So it's pretty interesting. And um, there's a few statements in here, verses that uh, people will recognize. And so I'm just going to go ahead and get started reading it right from the start. Isaiah 22, chapter 1. An Oracle Concerning the Valley of Vision. What troubles you now that you have all gone up on the roofs? O town full of commotion, O city of tumult and revelry. Your slain were not killed by the sword, nor did they die in battle. All your leaders have fled together. They have been captured without using the bow. All who were caught were taken prisoner together, having fled while the enemy was still far away. Therefore, I said, turn away from me. Let me, let me weep bitterly. Do not try to console me over the destruction of my people. So before there was even real danger, the leadership, they left, they bailed out and, uh, which upset God quite a bit. So instead of turning to Him, they just ran away. And sometimes I think about that, you know, a lot of time in, in my personal life, there have been times when a danger or an issue hasn't even become, it hasn't manifested manifested itself. It hasn't been something that actually is real yet. And yet I've put so much time and energy into thinking about it, debating it, and being concerned and upset about it, yet it's not even real yet. It hasn't occurred, and so and and I've also thought about ways that I can solve it, I can deal with it, and I can manage it. And yet I haven't, I didn't t- turn to God as to what's the best path for this un, un- yet realized issue that I'm inventing in my head. So anyways, I think there's a lot of that um, that I do. And it's one of the, it's just a great note that God is up, gets upset. He gets frustrated when we don't turn to him. Now I'm using man relatable words like upset, frustrated, that sort of thing to define, describe God, God's actions and his state. Probably not accurate, but I do know it says he weeps and so i just think that we that i need to and continue to work on staying in the present and not worrying about tomorrow because i have no control over it and i need to instead focus on today how i can hear his voice and submit the lord the lord almighty has a day of tumult and trampling and terror in the valley of vision a day of of battering down walls and of crying out to the mountains. Elam takes up the quiver with her chariots and horses. Kir uncovers the shield. Your choices valleys are full of chariots and horsemen are posted at the city gates. The defenses of Judah are stripped away. Well, so now that became real. So now it's time for, I would imagine, for the Israelites to turn to God. They should have turned sooner, but they didn't. And you locked And you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. You saw that the city of David had many breaches in its defenses. You stored up water in the lower pool. You counted the buildings in Jerusalem and tore down houses to strengthen the wall. You built a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. But you did not look to the one who made it or look or have regard for the one who planned it long ago. So again, where are they putting their emphasis? Where are they where are they really seeking wisdom and solutions? It's from themselves. It's not from God. Yeah, you know, they're they're looking at the defenses and fixing them. A it's probably a little too little and a little a lot too late. Um, but they're doing things that are man powered. And instead they really need to be seeking God powered activities. They need to be uh, remembering when he brought down the walls of Jericho simply by having his army march around it seven times. He's kept the the Egyptian army at bay with a cloud of, or a pillar of of fire, and opened up the, the oceans so they could walk across and escape. Instead of looking at the God who created the universe, they're looking for their own solutions. And it probably isn't going to go well. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, called you on that day to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair and put on sackcloth. But see, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. So they are doing exactly the opposite of what God told them to do. For he told them to put on sackcloth and weep, and beg for forgiveness and, and protection. And instead, they're, they're killing their cattle, eating, drinking, and having a party. Uh, to me, it's it seem, seems very similar to what people do during a hurricane when they have a hurricane party instead of leaving town. Verse 14, The Lord Almighty has re- revealed this in my hearing. Till your dying day, this sin will not be atoned for, says the Lord, the Lord Almighty. So, This is something that has got extremely troubled. And the fact that they didn't turn to him in their time of need, despite all the times that he's delivered them, and that they then go exactly against his request, his suggestion, or his command is very, very, has significant consequences. He's very unhappy about it. Verse 15. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Go say to this, this steward, to Shebna, who is in charge of the palace. What are you doing here? And who gave you permission to cut out a grave for yourself here? Hewing your grave on the height and chiseling your resting place in the rock. So again, God had given them a command to repent, basically, sackcloth and wailing and weeping. And instead, he's preparing for his death and having a, a grave prepared on the heights, which is... Most likely a very prestigious place, a place of safety, and where the wealthy and the the powerful have their their tombs. Beware, the Lord is about to take firm hold of you and hurl you away, O you mighty man. He will roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you will die, and there your splendid chariots will remain, your disgrace to your master's house. I will depose you from your office and you will be ousted from your position. So God is not happy with the behaviors, the rebellion, because ultimately, instead of doing what he was, to- that he was told to do, he took his own course of action, which is rebellion. In that day, I will summon my servant, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe. And fasten your your sash around him, and hand your authority over to him. Well, I looked up who Eliakim is, and he's just an administrator within the the, the um, palace. He's mentioned multiple times in the Book of Kings and also in um, Isaiah. Nothing special. He's just an administrator. He's, um, you know, goes around basically recording. Um, Activities recording events. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will be a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, his offsprings and offshoots all its lesser valu- vessels from the bulls to all their jars, to all the jars. In that day, declares the Lord Almighty, the peg driven into the firm place will give way. It will be sheared off and will fall, and the load hanging on it will be cut down. The Lord has spoken. So, the bottom line is, the people of Israel are about to have, of Jerusalem, are about to have an army attack them in the fu- sometime in the future and instead of preparing for it and reach and looking to God most of it, most of the leaders run away then those who don't again instead of looking to God start preparing and trying in vain to fix the holes that have happened over time that have happened over decades and just huge periods of time where the the walls and The pools and whatnot have been allowed to founder and and become weak. So now they're trying very quickly to fix what should have been maintained over time. And instead of turning to their God, they're turning to themselves and their activities. You then have God telling them what to do. Repent, turn to him, look to him, put on sackcloth, weep and wail for your sins. And instead, they party. Well, that is not something that pleases God. so in fact, to such an extent that he says their sin that sin cannot be atoned for. He then sees their leader, the person in charge of the palace, so I'm assuming it's their their leader it's not their king because maybe it is I don't I don't really know. but instead of helping the people and, and leading the people in repentance, he's worried about where he's going to be buried. Because tomorrow he's going to die. And he's worried about that. And he's preparing a memorial, basically a huge tomb for himself on the heights. And God is disgusted with them, with, with his people and his, the leaders. And instead of the, the leaders and the nobles and whatnot leading Jerusalem, he puts in charge an administrator. Someone that is not of high rank and noble birth, but someone who is just an administrator. They're just a guy. And put them in charge. Puts them firmly in place until eventually Israel or Jerusalem falls and moves on. So with that, I'm gonna, we're going to close up here. And I think it's a very interesting story. I think it's a very good illustration of how God works. You know, we often, and we do, how we work too, we often leave many important elements, especially our spiritual life, to f- fall apart, to weaken over time. That happened to me. I did that. And then all of a sudden, here comes a potential issue. And the first, our first response is usually, oh, dang, run away. Second response is usually, okay, I'll fix it. And I'll start taking steps. And then the third response is, I just don't know what to do, and then a lot of times, you know, I and others just do dumb things, and that's basically what the the uh, folks in Jerusalem did. And the whole time, they should have been, and I should have been, we should have been turning to God, because again, in the Israeli Israelites' um, history, He's protected them in miraculous ways, and it's a matter of. Trusting him and obeying. We spoke yesterday about hearing his his voice and submitting to his will. The Israelites heard his voice but didn't submit to his will. And the result was chaos for them. But he put someone in charge who just to demonstrate his greatness that he can put whoever in charge. As long as that person is listening. put them in charge and they can run an entire huge city like jerusalem for him apparently also they were kept safe so that's um you know another good element of or reason to listen and obey so with that i'm going to close in a quick prayer and wish you a wonderful day thank you father for all that you've done i'm grateful for the insights that your that your word has for us the opportunities to learn about the past so we can we can learn from it and try not to repeat it i thank you for your love and your and your compassion i thank you for your mercy and your grace through your son jesus christ i just pray that you would watch over all of us as we go about our day that we would bring you honor and glory by our actions that whatever our focus was for improvement that we would work diligently but more impo- importantly, we would submit to your will and that we would do as you tell us to do. So f- in my case, I pray that I would see others as you see them, that I would listen to your voice and submit to your will. I just pray for everyone out there that you would keep them safe, keep them strong, and empower them with your will and your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great day.